Welcome into another episode of the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast. I'm Scott Agnes coming to you from the media room at Bankers Life Fieldhouse after the Pacers defeated the Miami Heat in overtime, but more importantly, clinched a playoff berth. And I'm sitting alongside Mark Monty. We always shut down this media room. <laughs> we came do, in and we? came in and came out, <laughs> Mark. But the resounding storyline here today was the Pacers have clinched and the season's far from over. Still a big road trip coming up, several more weeks, eight games in fact, but only two of those at home. Yeah, you know, we've known for at least a couple, three weeks they're going to make the playoffs. You know, there was really no drama. Detroit never did make a run, so we kind of knew the eight playoff teams quite a while ago. It was just a matter of where the Pacers wind up being seated. But still, it was kind of nice to make it official. And I think maybe the most positive element of that is that they weren't particularly celebrating it. They weren't, as Corey Joseph said, we weren't popping any champagne corks yeah. in here, you know, because they knew it was going to happen. And they honestly do have greater goals than just making the playoffs. So uh, it was a nice moment. It's certainly a marker. Uh, they can now talk about you know how we uh, beat expectations you know proved all the doubters wrong that's that of kind course of thing. the storyline that they're all getting <laughs> yeah. getting after and i liked what that said as well was we can get this monkey off their back because if it yeah. started to linger if you lose two in a row this is one of those things that you just want to put behind you and then now they can really focus on playoff seating which is very important oh absolutely you know you want to get home court advantage it's going to be tough to do because cleveland is getting it together now They've got a win streak going. They seem to have found some chemistry with all the new faces they have after the trade deadline deals. And, you know, you've got to catch Philadelphia, and you would think that Philly might kind of collapse down the stretch because of all their inexperience, but they got an easy schedule. I mean, the Sixers have a much easier schedule than the Pacers, so it's going to be a real challenge for the Pacers to catch Philly and get that fourth spot. But I can't see them falling below fifth. So it's kind of shaping up like they're going to play Philly in the first round. And, of course, the key thing is if you can get that four seed or better, then you're hosting. Then you are uh, have that home court advantage, at least for the first round. And I, I like their chances in that. Then the next round even gets even more interesting, I think, because of Boston and what their goals are. And let, let's actually let's save that. Let's get into that a little bit later on. First of all, let's go back to the locker room, take people inside there, where you're exactly right. These guys were not content at all. They were happy. They celebrated a little bit. And you got a nice joke out of Nate McMillan after the game when you were asking him, hey, we heard some cheers. Was that just celebrating, as you would kind of expect after something like this? said, no. I allowed them to wear sweatpants on their trip to San Francisco coming up tomorrow. Yeah, I talked to Corey Joseph about that and a couple players, actually. And that's, you know, Nate has a pretty much old-school approach. He He's wants much them, Yeah, he wants them to wear uh, business casual attire on road trips, like a nice pair of jeans and a jacket, that kind of thing. And uh, he told them after the game they could wear sweats. Well, it's a four-hour flight to Oakland, so they obviously love that. So they're kind of, their reward for making the playoffs was getting to wear sweats on the flight to <laughs> Oakland on uh, on tomorrow Monday. So um, they were, you know, they they were real happy about that. I thought that was pretty good. I was over in another the other corner asking Lance and Joe Young about that, and they said, "Yeah, he is he's tight about the attire, and even if you wear sweats, it has to be the team issued." gear so don't yeah. don't bring your own apparel line whether it's nike whether it's adidas whatever it is the team apparel sweats yeah and you know i give nate credit for that you know look like a team you're a professional basketball team look professional and that's one thing where nate has kind of a, a stricter approach than frank vogel did about things you know you got to be on time you know frank if you were five minutes late, it was okay, you know. But Nate is very strict about being on time. 
being at practice court on time, that kind of thing, and how they dress on the road. He's got a, a bit of what I guess we would call an old school approach, but uh, you know, I think that those kind of things to me do actually factor into how a team plays. To me, those little things can lead up to big things. I, I remember that conversation. It was out on the the St. Vincent Center, and they're like, "Yeah, guys, a guy would have his shoes untied, putting up shots, or getting ready for practice." Yeah. And it's the the little details like that of being prepared for being accountable to yourself and to each other have added up to a team that to this point has won forty three games, far beyond anybody's expectation. Yeah. I think. Even though those guys were confident, some of them, especially Miles Turner, I do remember him in training camp. He said, mm-hmm. "We'll make the playoffs." Mm-hmm. I think this is probably pushing out of maybe what even his high hopes were. I think so. You know, my preseason call was forty-two, and that was after going through training camp and seeing the camaraderie and getting a real feel for their positive vibe mm-hmm. and seeing, you know, how good that Oladipo and Sabonis could be. Uh, but I don't think anybody would have predicted they'd have 43 wins with eight games still How to go. How could you? No. You know, nobody would have done that. They've been pretty lucky. Even though Sabonis has been out a while, they haven't been devastated by injuries. They've, you know, Turner's been out. Other guys have been out. Oladipo's missed games. And we know what happens when that occurs. But, you know, they haven't been hit like Golden State and some of the other teams where key players have been out for months at a time. So that's been good. They have a chance to be perfectly healthy going into the playoffs. I mean, Sabonis is going to come back at some point. <laughs> Again. Think, yeah, as <laughs> long as he stays away from the ball boys. But, uh, oh, man. Um, you know, so that'll be fantastic for them, and that's crucial. We always underrate the importance of health because we're taught – the old cliche about injuries are no excuse. Well, they aren't if you're a competitor, but they are if you're an analyst. And if you're missing a key player, uh, that is a huge factor. And when you look back at the Pacers' best uh, seasons in the playoffs, they've been healthy. They haven't been missing a starter, that kind of thing. So they're going to need everybody on deck you know, in the playoffs. Uh, but if they have that, they have a real chance, I think, to make some noise. The worst health for this team that comes to mind is Darren Collison having surgery yeah. and Glenn Robinson not quite being back. And at one time you had Miles Turner and Domana Sabonis both with what now have kind of turned up to be – Basically minor yeah. ankle sprains. Everybody's been hurt practically, I guess, except for Thad Young and that and Bogdanovich in that starting lineup. You've had a lot of injuries, but they've all been relatively short term and they've been spaced out to where mm-hmm. you don't have four guys out at a time, you have one or two. So they've been able to pick up the slack for one another. And I think if you had Lance to that group, I think those are the only three that have played all, all yeah. year long. Yeah, I don't think game. Lance is capable of being hurt, is he? Can he? I mean, he, Lance is <laughs> we always saw, We saw healthy. it again tonight, and I thought this one might have been legitimate. He tried to do like a reverse layup because someone was protecting the rim, landed a little bit awkwardly, and laid down like a sniper came in the building, <laughs> waited for the call. I think it was Scott Foster, of course, wouldn't give it to him. Yeah. As the veteran officials kind of know. Yeah. He looked up, and no one was watching him, so then he got up, ran down. During the timeout, Josh Corbio walked over, lasted maybe two seconds, went right to Nate, and clearly said he's fine. Yeah, yeah. Lance <laughs> needs love, you know. He needs attention, and uh, that's why he's so good at the home games. Uh, and he does do things to draw attention to himself, but, man, I can't even remember you know, him having injuries. It seems like he's always ready to go, and he's their most physical player, too, I think. So, that's great. you got to have a guy like that. The only time he really did was coming in here, right? Because Minnesota uh, did not re-sign him yeah, to another 10-day. Yeah. So and that was after a groin injury. But then in Minnesota, it was an ankle sprain. So yeah. he arrived here not quite 100%. He, but here, yeah, I, I doesn't, nothing comes to mind, really. Yeah, he finished last season, he told me, 75%. He was pretty effective, but he wasn't completely healthy. 
but as a pacer, it seems like he never gets hurt. The doubt factor, is that just a natural instinct in your mind yeah. for this locker room, for players, is is for them to try to lean on something? We all heard these guys talk about, no, uh, we're playing this season with a chip on our shoulder, and it kind of got exhausting for me and you, I think, there most days, and it, everyone would ask, say, Victor that, and ultimately he gave the line, no, it's a boulder on my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. These guys need motivation and whatever it might be, but there were valid reasons for people to – to pick this team not to make the postseason or oh, yeah. not to make a significant run? Certainly from a distance. You know, if you just looked at them on paper and didn't have any personal interaction with them, you would think that they're, yeah, they're like a 32, 35 win team maybe. But I'm sure you felt that when you were there on media day and going to training camp practices, you really did pick up a positive vibe. And it's a yeah, very it, different vibe. Every team is positive in training camp. I understand <laughs> that. But this group was different. You know, there was something different about it. And then, you know, knowing what Oladipo had done in the summer to really reboot re- his career and knowing what Sabonis could do, knowing Miles Turner should get better, you know, just going down the line, I saw no reason why this team couldn't at least match last year's record. Uh, but they did use that doubt thing, and all pro athletes seem to do that. Nobody believed in this. You know, nobody <laughs> believed in us. I mean, you know, you always hear that. A, a legitimate example, though, was the NBA didn't. They right. picked oh, them yeah. for one nationally televised game. Yeah. And part of that's part of your brand, what kind of audience you bring. For example, Philadelphia, they hadn't won a ton, yeah. but they had young superstars and they have a Philadelphia market. Right. Yeah. And you know what? People should not complain about that because I don't think getting a lot of attention would do this team any good. It's best mm-hmm. for them to go through the rest of the season. Obviously, in the playoffs, you're getting a lot of attention, uh, but it's best to keep that chip on your shoulder and feel like you're unloved or whatever <laughs> because getting huge national attention is only a distraction and we saw that in the 13-14 season didn't we though when they did the GQ thing and uh, Roy Hibbers got a big Sports Illustrated feature and ESPN comes in and that team got distracted even think back to Roy at the podium after getting all this attention and he said you don't watch us yeah yeah, (laughs) and and that was after they were successful (laughs) and that kind of led to even more downturn yeah yeah you know a lot of times fans around here will complain oh the Pacers don't get respect from the national media well if you're a fan you should hope that continues because the attention isn't going to do anybody any good and the more these guys feel bonded by the lack of so-called respect they get around the country that's a good thing for the team and for me this all goes back to the silly notion that we all need to make predictions and it's all important I, I hate predictions. I try yeah. to stray away from them, but when you're in sports talk or when you're on a beat of a team, that's what fans want to know. What do you think? What are you seeing out there? What have you observed? Well, we're not watching practice. They don't let us in practice. Right. But you can change your opinion based on, like you said, an encouraging media day and an unusually different um, start to training camp, I yeah. think. A different vibe. I think you know this team is at a sweet spot in time where they have a lot of guys – who have something to prove. I mean, Corey Joseph is the only guy on this team that's done anything in the playoffs. He won a championship as a third-string point guard in San Antonio. But look around. Darren Collison has never been beyond the second round. Thad Young, same thing. Victor Oladipo has no big playoff accomplishments. Uh, Miles Turner. I mean, none of these guys have been to a conference finals before. They all have something to prove, uh, veterans and new guys alike. So that's also a plus. You know, hey, two years from now, this team might turn out to be like the 13-14 team, you know, and kind of come apart for different reasons. But for right now, it's young, 
it's hungry, it's really together. Uh, they all feel like they have something to prove, and so people need to enjoy this while they have yeah. it. Lance is the only one that comes to mind, but I it's have, a very different yeah, role, yeah. though. Yeah, Lance has been to the conference finals. but And he's yeah. very much in a prove-it situation still. He Next is, year's yeah. not guaranteed. I'm, exactly. I'd be t- completely surprised if they wouldn't pick it up at an affordable right. deal. But he still has a yeah. ton to prove. Yeah, how could I forget Lance being on the conference finals teams? But he's got a uh, team option on his contract. He definitely has something to prove. It's funny to think he was nearly an all-star on a conference finalist, had five triple-doubles that year, and here he's now a backup, uh, but still. Led at, the league in triple-doubles. Yeah. And then Russell stepped his game up and now that's a whole different conversation yeah yeah yeah. but it's funny the transformation lance's experience but he's great you know he has no complaints you could tell he's happy he's accepted his role as a backup now he's obviously still happy to be here and he's a crucial guy on this team my only problem with lance is whenever there's a comfort zone whenever the pacers get a pretty comfortable lead he just goes haywire he just starts trying to do crazy things and forcing things but when the game is on the line uh he usually comes through so that's a good thing i think heading into the playoffs but this team's funny man that's what i wrote about tonight that you know you give them a little bit of comfort zone they just go crazy they just they stop defending they force things they take quick shots they miss easy shots put them in the pressure situations uh, they've come through really nicely this year. I think some of that maybe is just your natural tendency to relax, to step it's off the nature. gas. Sure, it's, it's every team, every human. Yeah. But really, they need to uh, mature more and get to the point where they can stay on top of a team. Because when you get the playoffs, you can't be squandering comfortable leads in the second half. You just can't afford to. No, uh, when you're playing the elite, it's going to cost you eventually. You know, yeah. you need to be able to continue playing well when you're up eight or ten points. And, again, it's universal. It's human nature. We see it all the time. We saw it in the NCAA tournament with teams giving up leads. But still, you know, every game counts in the playoffs, and you can't give away any like that. With Lance, I almost wonder if it's boredom slash maybe thinking ahead to try to get on the highlight reel, yeah. to try to, uh, you know, appear on Instagram. He gets a little selfish, you know, that kind of thing. He's wanting to get the crowd going. And he's and easy to criticize, but he easily makes up for it, I think. Oh, like, oh yeah. Like tonight, for example – as Coach McMillan said, they got smacked in the first quarter. They they looked a little bit lifeless, mm-hmm. needed a jolt. That's where Lance stepped in and got right to the rack like on four consecutive possessions. Yeah, he was really good in that second quarter. He was pretty bad in the third quarter, but he wound up with eight points, you know, and was good all the way around. He's been playing well lately. And, the you know, he had a really nice road game in Washington with 25 points. And to me, that was kind of a breakthrough a couple of weeks ago because he has played much worse on the road than at home. Obviously, again, in the playoffs, you got to play well in some road games, you know. So I think that was big for him, and hopefully he can continue that. I'll be curious how he plays on this road trip coming up. This Sabonis ankle is just really goofy. We yeah. previewed it a little bit uh, earlier on. But, yeah, he was he was good, you know, around 2.30, 3.30 after the team held a walkthrough since they didn't shoot around. He was all good. Uh, I saw him leave the court, in fact, walking. He was smiling joking around with guys but then about an hour later he was working one-on-one with special assistant josh henderson in the post spun around and his left ankle the same left ankle landed on a new ball boy freak injury i can't imagine it's real serious i don't know they'll be cautious with it obviously um hey golden state won't give them any sympathy with all the guys they got out so the next game is tuesday at golden state the pacers are without sabonis that's too bad but look at the guys (laughs) golden state's going to be missing so 
Carry on. This is one thing, looking back when the schedule came out, what, in mid-August, that I was like, if you're a Pacer fan or if you're a ticket broker, do not buy these Golden State tickets because either they'll have clinched in the resting guys or they'll have injuries, and it's right before the postseason, so they're resting guys. So the Pacers have not yet played Golden State. They'll face them twice over this Mm -hmm. final eight-game stretch, and they won't see Steph Curry, and they very well may not see Kevin Durant nor Draymond Green. We'll see. Yeah, the schedule this year is – Way different than it usually is. We're accustomed to seeing pretty favorable closing schedules with home games against a lot of non-playoff teams, and that allows them you know, a nice streak into the postseason. Last year they won their final five games to go into the playoffs, to make the playoffs. They usually finish the regular season well, and it's completely different this year, uh, partly because of the way the NBA restructured the schedule, starting the season earlier, trying to avoid back-to-backs. Of course, you know the field house is not available when you have the state high school finals or different events that uh, Big Ten women's yeah, basketball. Yeah, the Big Ten tournament. women's. You know, you got to be on the road. But for whatever reason, for a lot of reasons, really, the Pacers closed with a six of eight on the road, and most of them happened to be against playoff teams or playoff contenders. I thought the Pacers had blown it in December. You know, they had. Ten home games, six in a row, and they came out of that month with a seven and eight record. I thought, man, at the end of the year, you look back on that and think that's where you really missed an opportunity. I thought they would still make the playoffs, but I thought they might wind up lower than where they are now because of that. They've got a great opportunity to kind of make up for it with the injuries Golden State has. You know, that presents a great break. So um, they don't have to finish the season that strong. You know, I mean they. They're 43 and 31 as we're talking. Um, if they go 500 the rest of the way, they're going to be in pretty good shape. And the key thing, obviously, is if you can get that four spot, then you have the, the home court advantage in the whole situation, at least in the first round. Yeah. From there, then remains to be seen. But so many teams have suffered injuries, and that's something with the Pacers heading out to Golden State and them hosting them back here. Yeah, but you mentioned home court advantage, and I always, you know, we know the cliches about you want home court advantage, but think about this franchise's history. The great moments always come on the road. I mean, all of Reggie, not all, but almost all of Reggie Miller's great playoff moments came on the road. The Pacers won all three ABA titles on the road. Uh, you know, they're, that year they beat Orlando in the first round. Byron Scott hit a three-pointer in game one, and he went to the conference finals. You know, if history holds, it probably doesn't matter if they play at home or on the road. It just seems, while this team is about 500 on the road, which is what teams shoot for at the least, I think, going into a season. So that's good. It just seems like, and maybe it's more trending towards Lance Stevenson. Yeah. But this this roster certainly feeds off the crowd and plays much better here at Bankers Life. A younger team like this will be more favorable to playing road games, no question about it. Darren Collison, he's a guy we've spoken to frequently now over the last two, three games, um, much more often than we did through probably the first 35 um, regular season home games. So many different storylines coming out of our conversations with him. And most recently, it was that he leaned on a veteran, uh, Steve Nash, who's since retired. And he's even on the payroll as an advisor for the Golden State Warriors. But he was a guy he sought out over the offseason to try to to learn how he should maybe adjust his game and his body as he approached 30 years of age. Yeah, give credit to Darren because, you know, he's looking to get better. He really is serious about his craft and and being a starting point guard on a winning team. So he and Steve Nash share an agent, Bill Duffy, and Duffy arranged it. And they had about an hour-long telephone conversation. I think it was in June last year before he signed with the Pacers. And Nash told him, you know, to – 
you know, actually spend less time in the gym, save your legs, uh, be more attentive to your diet, that type of thing. And they got into things, you know, details such as how to run a pick and roll, that type of thing, keep your dribble, that sort of thing. So, you know, Darren Collison's been a great story this year. One of my favorite stories, really, of all time covering the Pacers because here's a guy who people thought, eh, he's okay. You know, when the Pacers signed him, nobody got excited. About nobody was giddy about this signing. They yeah. thought, well, they were thinking back to what been Darren here before. was. Yeah. I remember at the press conference, you know, they had the introductory press conference with him, Sabonis, and Oladipo, and hardly anybody asked Collison questions, for one thing. Oladipo mm-hmm. dominated. But I did ask Collison, how are you a different player than when you were here the first time? He said, oh, in so many ways. And he kind of went into details. But, you know, he deserves a lot of credit. This is a guy who, I mean, who would have guessed that he would be leading the NBA in three-point percentage at this point of the season? And I just looked it up. He's got the, if he maintains this percentage, it's the third best uh, single season three point percentage in Pacer franchise history. Behind, you probably can't guess who's the Pacers' all time leader in single season three point percentage. And it's not Reggie Miller. Chris Mullen is number one. People will not guess number two. It's Al Harrington. Uh, now you yeah, have to have that one. you have to make fifty three pointers. It was before Al got traded to Golden State that year. He really had a hot streak going. But uh, Collison is right behind Harrington. He might become the second best you know three point shooter for a single season in Pacer history. Nobody would have guessed that. He leads the NBA in assist to turnover ratio. I was going to say we all go right towards scoring. It's kind of obvious it jumps out to you. But yeah. Even more notable to me has been him taking care of the basketball. Yeah. How many games have we seen this season where he'll end up maybe eight assists, zero turnovers, or but, seven he, assists, one turnover? Yeah, and he doesn't make assists you remember. They're not Lance Stephen assists through traffic or whatever behind just the back. Just a smart play. They're just basketball plays. Yeah. He takes care of the ball. He doesn't throw it away hardly at all. And, uh, you know, so he's he, for a while, had that 50-40-90 thing going. His shooting percentages have been outstanding. So you got a point guard who's a great shooter who takes care of the ball. Uh, you know, what else do you want? And he's not a bad defender. He's not as good as Corey Joseph. But, you know, he, Collison is among the leaders in the league in steals. You know, he had a big deflection uh, against Miami on Sunday. So uh, he's been outstanding, and nobody was expecting that from him. I think maybe the only critique could be looking at late-game situations that McMillan has often turned to Corey Joseph or yeah. they'll go back and forth. For defense. Yeah, offense-defense substitution. I think that's the only thing that jumps out. Yeah, and Corey's been great. I mean, he's he is an outstanding defender. He takes care of the ball. You know, his uh, assist-to-turnover ratio is good. Uh, he's become a better shooter. He had 10 rebounds against Miami. Uh, which is a career high, I believe. I, if I'm remembering right, I looked that up, and that's a career high. And Boyan matched his season high Boyan with eight against high. Miami. Just yeah. so many times he's in the right spot where he can snatch it down. Yeah. I think part of that's his teammates blocking guys out, and he just kind of sneaks in there. Yeah. But somebody's got to go get it. But remember that game a week or two ago where he played 31 minutes and had zero rebounds, a home mm-hmm. game here. I remember talking about that post game. Um, you know, he, ha- he had to be reminded. Uh, Nate McMillan reminded him <laughs> before Friday's game that you got to go get some rebounds. You can't be leaking out all the time. So he's done better at that. A guy like him, you know, with the minutes he plays, ought to get six to eight rebounds if you're just sticking your nose in there. And one thing going down this roster, you look at guys, and I, don't, I can't really find a guy that's maybe had a disappointing season individually. Even the couple guys beyond the obvious, Boyan easily out- exceeded my expectations he's been a knockdown shooter I love his pump fake and then step in front or step beside 
the defense, and even Joe Young, who stepped up admirably as Darren Collison missed a dozen games because yeah. of the left knee surgery. Joe Young's a guy that last year when it ended, I probably would have predicted he wouldn't even be on the team this year because it just seemed like nobody took him seriously. He was like a mascot in the locker room, you know, and there were a lot of jokes about him. People would tell stories of the weird things he said. But he worked hard over the summer. He strengthened his midsection. Yeah, he worked on a shot. And he's become a viable NBA player. And when Collison was out, he really filled in nicely as a backup point guard. So you feel like if he had to play in a playoff game for five or ten minutes, he could give you something. I don't think he's going to gag on it. So maybe the first playoff game because he's not used to it. But That's I think true. he can adapt. I, I don't think it'd be overwhelming to him. No, no. I mean, he's watched the playoffs from the bench, you know, the last couple of years. So. Uh, he's been around the atmosphere, but he's been a nice surprise, too, like a lot of these guys. He's really gotten better, and he's just grown up. Big picture. This is incredible by the franchise. Winning record for the sixth time mm. in seven seasons, and they've they've reached the postseason, the uh, longest stretch in the Eastern Conference. I think it's 21 of 29 years. Uh, going back to the 89 season, they've had incredible success because they never bottom out, yeah. ultimately. They're, they they always want to have a contender out there. Yeah, they don't take, you know, and people – think they you know all these fans who thought they should be tanking last summer don't feel that way now and frankly I'm, I'm not an advocate of it because uh, I mean we'll see how it works for Philly but I don't think it's ever really worked and it may work out for Philly but they've gone through 12 years of never having a winning record is that what you want to go through to get to where you're yeah. a playoff team I don't think anyone's ever going to replicate that again no. where you just lose consistency and you know you trade off all your good players right yeah. I think what you will see is teams like Dallas once the se- once you're oh, halfway yeah. through a season yeah. and you understand your circumstances sure. then you're calling up G League guys you're giving them a chance yeah. and you're playing your younger guys to yeah. hope that it pays dividends in a year or two. Yeah, and I don't really consider that tanking. I guess you are in a way, but to me, tanking is when you go through an entire season and really not trying to win and, and looking toward a future season. So teams have always kind of you know, played younger guys toward the end of a season if they have no uh, hope of making the playoffs. But, um, you know, the Pacers, that you're, the record you just mentioned, their postseason consistency should not be taken for granted you know I mean yeah you want to win championships and I suppose fans would rather win a championship or two every 10 years and also have some horrible years maybe but still to be that consistently in the postseason and having a team like this that has such a bright future um, on the roster with young guys who are going to get better and will have cap room to improve the roster over the next two summers. I mean, it's a good situation right now, and we don't know where it's going to be in two years or whatever, but right now uh, the future is really bright here. Yeah, Kevin Pritchard has positioned themselves very well with only four guaranteed guys yeah. coming back next season as far as their contract goes. A couple player options, several team options, several non-guaranteed type deals where – Things could get interesting come June, come July. Yeah, you think they? You think they bring Collison back? I mean, he's got a partial guarantee. For I think absolutely. Year, yeah, at I do ten too. million, I do Boyan too. Bogdanovich, absolutely. What about Al Jefferson? Al Jefferson, I, I've never found Team exactly him, right? what it is. I think it's like two or three million of yeah. the ten. Yeah, I can't imagine you'd bring that back. Probably not. He's such a valuable that. guy in the locker room. He's a great personality, and when he has played, he has played well. You know, no question, he can still contribute, but. There may be some harsh realities coming up where there's a player you can get and you need that money to spend. So we'll see, but it'll be painful to uh, part company with him if it does come and, to that. And typically you can get a, a veteran leadership type guy for a veteran minimum who yeah. just wants to hang around. Yeah. 
I wonder if you could uh, not pick up his option but bring him back at a lower number, you know. If no other team gives him more, that could happen, you know, because I think he's a great guy to have on the team. But we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here. We, we are. It's, it's towards <laughs> the things, though, I think most fans prefer is the yeah. transaction business. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be well, – well, let's say this. It will be a fascinating summer for the Pacers because they do have flexibility. They will have money to spend. They do have a great core here that might attract other free agents. And I don't really buy the argument that they can't get – good free agents they've rarely had money to spend for good free agents because uh, they've had either a really good team or they've just been capped out but there's a difference mark between good and like superstar or elite i can't yeah. see them getting that well they're yeah they're not likely but the elite ones rarely change teams kevin durant is by far the exception you know most guys just resign with their old team for the most money and i think we're so, all i wouldn't put him as superstar but star and i think we're all anticipating paul george moving on in free agency exactly yeah and that's an that's, that's also an exception too though yeah but we do anticipate that and uh, but I think like David West came here because he recognized uh, that that Pacer group as one he could contribute to and contend with. And I think there'll be guys like that out there. And now the problem, I don't know what position you want to bulk up on. You know, is it uh, small forward, you know, or, or power forward? Who knows? I think it started small forward. I, I would. I think, I, you know, I think to me, Bogdanovich's best roles as a backup and not a starter. But obviously, he's capable as a starter too. You know, that's the thing; they don't have any glaring weaknesses, and they have good depth. So you could really afford to be choosy with your free agency. Power Ford will be interesting with that. He has the player option. Trevor Booker's a free agent. TJ yeah. Leaf still very young, has yet to come into his own. Yeah. I would like to see Leaf at a small forward eventually. I think he's going to be a good player. I think he's really promising. He's a great shooter. I mean, not a good shooter. I think he's a great shooter. So I think there's going to be a place for him in the league, and he's pretty agile. But Thad Young will be interesting because he's not going to get more money per season than what he could get here next year. But there's a good chance he'll want the security of a three- or four-year contract, mm-hmm. which would be more lucrative overall. But – Again, who knows? And I don't think he knows what he wants to do. Why even think about that now if you're that young? <laughs> right. I, I was curious, so I asked him about it, about him right before the All-Star break uh, yeah. a month and a half ago. And he, he said just that. Whether true or not, he was like, I haven't even crossed that bridge at this point. Yeah, that's Why what, would you? Yeah. Then you're getting ahead of yourself and you're not enjoying present situation and he's certainly not going to come out and say yeah i'm probably going to opt out <laughs> right. and try to become can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want that kind of publicity so no. uh but he could i mean that's realistic and that's you know his right you, know, you can't get mad at him if he does but he's in a you know he keep knows in he's, he's been in a in great lo- situation i was right just gonna now. say keep in mind he's been in losing situations yeah. so if he found found something here that works where he's successful mm-hmm. and he can earn a stable living, which easily he can. Yeah. You could bring back the exact same team next year, and it should be improved just because you have so many young guys. You should get better. Your familiarity and chemistry will get better. So why would Thad Young not want to be part of that? You have to believe a guy, either him or a guy like him, you know, who has the option to move on. Do you want to be on this team or get a little more money on a 500 team or bad team? You know, at, when you're 30 years old, you're going to be more attuned to winning than you are your contract, most likely, if you've already had a big contract, and he has. So, you know, it'll be interesting what he does, but, again, you know, we'll wait. <laughs> Last thing here is the team heads out on a uh, four-game road trip, six of their final eight on the road. Do you read anything into this this week and a half for them on the road and that the chemistry could get even better or this could – 
bring them tighter as a bunch going into the postseason, or or is that mostly in the preseason at the start of the year when you're still learning each other's names? Yeah, I don't think it helps now. I think they've got established chemistry. You know, we heard them talk about that team dinner they had the night before they beat Milwaukee on the road. You know, I think uh, these guys have already bonded, and I don't think they can get much tighter. Uh, it, it won't it won't hurt being together on the road. They're going to be out west and you know some better weather most likely. So I'm sure they're looking forward to that. But I don't think it's like at the beginning of the season when they were still getting to know one another and a road trip might afford that opportunity. I think these guys are together. They're as together yeah. as any Pacer team I've been around, frankly, and that goes back a long way. So I don't think that'll matter, but I don't think it's going to do them any damage either. It's good to see Slick tonight, too. Yes. That's really cool. And not Just only Slick, that. but Nancy. You yes. know, I mean, I talked to Nancy down in the Lighthouse Club, you know, before the game, and she always drives, and, you know, it doesn't seem – right if she's not in that front row seat you know where she always sits and yeah you know no nba team has somebody like slick leonard who's been with them for virtually every year of their history i mean slick leonard was going to pacer games uh, the first year of the franchise in 1967-68 there's a picture in my book of him at a pacer game sitting next to the general manager at the time and he was kind of a scout at the time you know just kind of in the mix and then he became the coach the second year he coached up through the 1979-80 year and then he got let go there's about a two-year period where he was out of the picture and then he came back as a broadcaster and he's been with them ever since so this is the 51st season for the Pacers and he's been a part of it all but a couple and that's amazing nobody else has a figure like that in their history yeah it was a big day for the Pacers at Bankers Life Fieldhouse clinched a playoff berth won their 43rd game of the season which surpassed last year's total and the return of Slick Leonard his what first was your preseason game. prediction by about the way. 35 37 yeah. yeah yeah I said 42 but that I was, gave a range yeah. I didn't want to be too specific <laughs> yeah well you know we all Who know knows? it all well you know it depends on injuries you know I always say if you can tell me what the injuries are going to be I'll give you a prediction you know what I always say is that that's kind of assumed so assuming yeah. nothing yeah. major what's good your health total? yeah nothing tragic but overall good health and I thought they could match last year's win total and they're going to you know Hey, I sold them short, too, so I'm not going to brag. Appreciate it. That's Mark Monteith. You can visit his work at Pacers.com at Mark Monteith and check out his book, Reborn, that recently came out about six months or so ago. Uh, Yeah, last October. Very good. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for sitting down with me here late night. All right. Thank you, Scott. You've been listening to the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast, and I'll talk to you again later this week.